We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Barris Age Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are doing the best business books, which we read last year in 2017. So, hey, Ed, how's it going? Oh, it's good, Ron. I'm a little chilly. I gotta say, I'm down here in Texas, kind of cold. Is it really? Crazy. It's been raining here in Northern California. No, 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 no. The temperature yesterday dropped 30 degrees in an hour and a half. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Could lose, use a little global warming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're having that in, in Australia. Uh, last um, I, I checked last week at one point it was 117 in Sydney. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really so hot. There. Yeah. I guess it would be their summer. Wow. That's incredible. So, Ed, was 2017 a good year for books? What do you think? Just overall. Meh. Meh. <laughs> I, I kind of felt that way, too. I don't know if it was just because, I don't know, maybe my selection criteria is getting worse. I mean, there are some that I absolutely loved. And, of course, we'll, we'll talk about those. Um, we tried to limit this to business books, I know. But you and I read other books. Uh, categories as well so if we have time maybe we can mention some non-business books that struck well, us yeah Ron, and more and more i think we i think more and more both of us are, are reading more and more stuff that's not directly business related and i think that's a good thing but by, by the way the, the other thing i wanted to mention as we, we start off this topic and it's this is complete sidebar okay but i think you'll find this interesting because i know you were a big shelfari person for a long time yep right and they killed shelfari right yep uh, did you migrate your stuff over to Goodreads? Yes. Okay, good. Cause I, and we got to connect because for some reason, A, I'm not connected to you on Goodreads. But number two, do you know now that with the Goodreads app on your phone, or at least on the iPhone 10, which is what I have, I don't know what, you know what level you need, but you can scan the UPC of your uh, books on your shelf and add them, add them to your Goodreads list. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Which cool. is awesome. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because back when it was just Shelfari, long before all that, I, I basically inputted my library into Shelfari, but it poured it over pretty well to Goodreads. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no. So that's a good thing. And I know that you're you're big into that. So that's that's a great thing. But I just wanted to let our listeners know that if you are on Goodreads, definitely connect with Ron or me because we'd love to to have you. I think that's a, a great place for us to have yet another place for conversation with our with our listeners. And then also um, get your get get your entire shelves loaded up with the with the Goodreads app. And by the way, I don't have stock in that company, so. Hey Ed, is Goodreads owned by Amazon? Is yeah, it is. It, it is. is. It okay, is that's what I thought. Yeah, because yeah. I know Amazon bought Shelfari, and then it merged into Goodreads. And 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 I noticed that Goodreads has like a, you know links to Barnes and Noble. And I thought, well, if it's owned by Amazon, that's kind of strange. But yeah, well, they're open opportunity, and you know, before you know, Amazon will probably buy Barnes and Noble. But 
Well, that's true. <laughs> Why not? They went after Whole Foods, so exactly, exactly. All right, but let's back to back to the topic at hand, Ron. What what do you what do you got? What's your what's what's first one up for you? You want to talk about? Well, I, here here was my cry, I, criteria, and it comes from okay. Franz Kafka, who and I just love this line. He said, "I think we ought to read only the kind of books that wound and stab us. <laughs> if the book we are reading doesn't wake us up with a blow on the head, what are we reading it for?" And, and, you know, the older I get, the more I have to agree with that. I mean, I will now stop, you know, ten, a tenth of the way or whatever, third of the way through a bad book. If I think it's crap, I'll, I'll just stop. Where before, I would never do that. I'd read it to the end. I don't know why. It's like drinking mm-hmm. bad wine, you know, uh, all the way. To- <laughs> Eating all your vegetables, everything off your plate. It, it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, a, a book has really got to be, you know, really, really catch my interest and so that was kind of my criteria for selecting the ones that uh, we're going to or at least i'm going to discuss today so if I, I did five ed i don't know how many is on your list but i'll I'm, I'm happy to go through my five but but here's number five for me and it was deep thinking where machine intelligence ends and human creativity begins and of course it's by gary kasparov right the, the chess champion yep yep, yep. and I enjoyed this book, even though I thought it was going to be more, a little bit more about AI and, you know, and kind of the subtitle, right, where, where that starts and human creativity begins and all that. But it was really the story of his, his match against IBM's Big Blue and, and other just computerized chess. You know, he, he, um, he, he obviously, he won the first round, but he lost in the second. Um, right. And it was in 1997, that was the rematch that he lost. The Newsweek's cover had, you know, the brain's last stand. <laughs> and and he lost it. And then Jay Leno that night said, and in the related story earlier today, the New York Mets were defeated by a microwave oven. So I just, I had to throw that in there for you. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> One interesting thing, though, is he, he kind of walks you through these tournaments and everything. And obviously, IBM, uh, you know, got an enormous amount amount of publicity on this their stock value increased 11.4 billion dollars in one week sounds like bitcoin it does doesn't it uh you know and 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 in this book gary says deep blue was intelligent the way your programmable alarm clock is intelligent not that losing to a 10 million dollar alarm clock made me feel any better <laughs> yeah he's got a wicked sense of humor i've seen him interviewed he's very 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 funny he he really is and it, and it comes out in this book he he said you know he said there's another way to look at this he said you know this was after all it was a human achievement you know so while although a human lost the match humans also won because they're the ones that created deep blue and I thought that was a, you know, was a really good point. Um, and, and he kind of says in this, and there's just nuggets of wisdom, too, about AI and all about it. He, he, uh, I love what he said. He said, well, if you think about it, he said, Who, whose job was more threatened than mine? <laughs> you yeah, know, sure. From, from being displaced. But he kind of towards the end of the book, he said, being remembered as the first world champion to lose a match to a computer cannot be worse than being remembered as the first world champion to run away from a computer. There you go. And I thought that was there a real point. So yeah. there, there's really some some great nuggets of wisdom. He said, you know, we should basically partner human plus machine. He says, always remember machines can't dream, not even in sleep mode. 
thought that was a really good point because we focus so much on creativity and you know these human aspects that who knows if AI will ever be able to do. But um, he's got lots of nuggets in, uh, interspersed in this book, but it really is the story of him versus IBM and some of the interesting things IBM did to stack the match, <laughs> which, uh, which kind of surprised me. Let's just say that they weren't playing 100% fair with him at all times. Yeah, I think you mentioned one to me that I thought was interesting that they they wouldn't they wouldn't let him see the re, the results of the, the the test matches that it had played. Yes, yes, where grandmasters can always get copies of of all the mm-hmm. games that that the masters played, and they would not do they would not share that with him, which I thought was really weak. They really were out for blood in that rematch. They they really wanted to get them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, just a side note too. I don't know if I think I might have mentioned this in a Free Rider Friday, that, but it's worth worth repeating that uh, Gary Kasparov has a master class out now. That's I think it's for, for fifty bucks, which I have signed up for. I haven't started yet, but it's K- Kasparov teaches chess. Mm-hmm. So you can you know just another example of these. What is it? MOOCs massively online. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so pr- pretty interesting to and and he is he is a, a fun guy and and very politically oriented as well. He's been very out, an outspoken critic of of uh, Vladimir Putin. So yes, very much so. I, and and he's even got some of that woven into this book as well. It's kind of part an autobiography, not a lot though, but he does weave in some of those stories and and they are really fascinating. So it was a book I thoroughly enjoy. I didn't expect it to be about what it was, but I I enjoyed it nonetheless, and therefore it made my list. All right. Well, you know what, Ron? I've really only deeply prepared two of them, although there's probably three or four others that we could we could talk about. But but why don't you throw out another one now, and that'll take us to the break, and then I'll I'll bring up mine and after the after the break. Okay. And then I think I mentioned this on a Free Rider Friday because I had just picked it up because two of good friends of the show recommended the book, uh, Rory Sutherland, and then Doctor mm-hmm. Jules Goddard. And the book is The Grid, the decision-making tool for every business, including yours, by Matt Watkinson. And I, I, I like this book because it is one of the few books that recognizes that an organization is an interdependent entity. And it's, it's like a living organism. It's like a living system. And you can't mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. change one thing, optimize one thing, make one thing more efficient without touching, you know, other aspects of that system. And this, this ties right into Goldratt's theory of constraints, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he lays out this model. Now, he, and, and I also love this about the guy. He's got great humility. He, he quotes the mathematician George Box and says, essentially, all models are wrong, <laughs> but some are useful, right? Because models are obviously simplifications of the real world. But he lays out this, and it's a three-by-three three grid, so kind of like tic-tac-toe, where across the top, you list desirability of your offering, the profitability of your offering, and then the longevity of your offering. And then down the side, the three categories are customers, the market, so your competition, and your organization. And then within those nine, he's got nine separate boxes that go through every category, like customers, for instance, under desirability, wants and needs, you know, revenues, customer base. I'm not going to go through everything. But what I really liked about it is he gave concrete examples of 
companies that would change a strategy and then he showed you how the other boxes were affected as well. And I mean, we just, we know this just from working so much with pricing that if you touch pricing, you're going to be touching a lot of other things at the same time. Sure, sure. And, and he made you think about that. And, uh, I, I, I truly enjoyed that. I thought it was a very interesting mental framework that business peoples could use, including professional firms, which is, I, which I know is a big size of our audience, but it really does make you think about the different things that are going to be affected if you were to change something. And that's why I found it very useful. Yeah, I, it's interesting, Ron, because I've I've heard you talk about uh, this. We usually you usually use the example of the car, right? Like if you took the, and I'm not a car guy, so I'm I'm completely blowing this. But the you know the the engine of a Lamborghini, the transmission of a Ferrari, the braking system of a of a Volvo. Um, well, you, you and through that all together, you'd have just a hot mess, is what you'd have. Right, you'd have right? A, an expensive pile of junk if you tried to get the <laughs> best of the best and assemble it into one car, because each each one of those cars is a system in and of itself. And yes, while it may have the world's best engine, brakes, suspension, whatever, it it's probably got other parts that are suboptimal so the system as a whole can be more effective, right? It's just like the human body. Some parts have to be suboptimal. Sometimes a surgeon has to remove an organ or cut off a limb to make you healthier mm-hmm. overall. And, it, it you know, the system's thinking, I think, is so so relevant to any business because they are interdependent entities. And I think it's a big fallacy to think that we can, you know, maximize or optimize each silo and get a more efficient whole. Sometimes you have to do the exact opposite. You have to make certain parts of it inefficient to get a more effective whole. It belies the whole best practices argument, which, uh, you know, drives us crazy. It really does. And, and you know, uh, it, although it wasn't a book, I have to say, after watching a Gold Rat video, a lecture of his, about an hour and a half, I think it is, we'll try and put the link up on YouTube. Uh, now, he was a physicist, so he understood systems and laws and sure. that type of thing. And, you know, he really flushed that idea out that, you know, the theory of constraints, the weakest, uh, the weakest point in the system. Uh, but sometimes you need that in order to be more effective as, as a whole. So this book really ties well into that level of thinking. So it was a it was a good catch, uh, good recommendation from Rory Sutherland and our friend Dr. Jules Goddard. Yep, and we'll and we'll have more on that next week, Ron, because our our show is going to be about systems thinking next week. So that's uh, it's it, it's a little bit of a a shoulder roll for what we're going to talk about next week. But I, coming up, uh, I'll, I'll share with you one of my best business books for 2017. But we want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to ask. T-S-O-E at verisage.com and that'll be sent to both of us. Of course, the website is always up and running 24-7, thesoulofenterprise.com where you can listen to all of our previous shows by clicking on our archive page and also see show notes from those previous shows as well as previews to upcoming shows. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. 
we build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the best business books that we read last year, and we've already discussed two of them, which uh, the first one was Deep Thinking by uh, Gary Kasparov. And then the second one that I mentioned was The Grid by Matt Watkinson. I'd like to remind you, please check out our full show notes. We will post these books and links to them. And also the video I mentioned by Gold Rat, which is, is really worth the watch because he really does slam cost accounting in that uh, video ad. It's fantastic. I, I really He does a little <laughs> brief historical tour of cost accounting and really takes it down. So, But anyway, I know you've got a book on your list that you're dying to share, so... Go ahead. I I am, and part part of the reason we talked about this during the break is that is like you. I know you haven't read this book, so which is, you know, the fact that you haven't read it is is just, that's like a a win automatically. Anyway, uh, and I, I know that Tom Hood, our friend at the Maryland Society of CPAs, uh, the CEO over there, has has read this book as well because we both reviewed it. But um, I and I don't recall whether it was he who recommended it to me or I recommended it to him, but I know that I also had a conversation with someone who came to one of my classes this year about this book and said, oh, you've got to read this Microslices. So um, again, can't remember whether it was, was, was Tom or me, but the, the deal is, this. so the name of the book is Microslices, The Death of Consulting and What It Means for Executives by John M. Dillard. Uh, Dillard was a, is a really interesting guy. He started his career at the CIA uh, and has and worked in a lot of different organizations. Worked for some of the you know the big 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 consulting firms. I think Deloitte Consulting was one of them. But now he has a a, a company called Big Sky Associates that uh, is a small organization that he he runs, and he's do, does stuff in commercial strategy, IT firms, banking, and even operation analyzing operations from the nine eleven recovery. So pretty interesting guy. Sure. Right. Um, but the book now, I don't know how, quite how to put this. The book is a, it's weird in that he, tr- he, he made an attempt, I think, to try to write the book from the perspective of someone buying consulting services in the year 2030. Mm-hmm. 
right? But then he 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 vacillates between talking about what it's like in 2030 and then what was it like back in 2015 and uh, that but then he falls back into talking about 2015 as if it's 2015 and it and it and that that piece of it that little that doesn't quite work it's a it's he's trying to play with that idea and doesn't right. quite work he's also trying to write it from the perspective of someone purchasing consulting knowledge and services versus someone who's providing it. But again, he goes in and out of talking about like, well, this is what you should do if you're a consultant, right? So from that perspective, it could use a bit of a rewrite. However, there's so much good stuff in here that it was worth overlooking the clutter, right? The the clouding. Um, first of all, I, and I did, I did do a search on this, Ron. He, he, he's, he mentions knowledge workers 10 times in the book. So I know that that's already a win for you. The fact that he used that phrase, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, he's a, a huge proponent of what he calls value-led price. And he talks about our, our uh, uh, Alan Weiss as well. Right, yeah. who was a one of the fathers of, of this idea as well in services, and I actually, well, I just started creating a a list as I was reading the book of, and this is what it says: quote sentences that could have been written by Ron Baker. <laughs> 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 but I, but I stopped. I stopped doing that after the first dozen or so because it's just like, okay, this is ridiculous. All right. Um, anyways, so, so let me, let, let, first I'll define microslice. So what, and this is a little bit of a, 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 again, it shows the convoluted nature of it, but let me read it and see if we can parse it a little bit. This is a microslice, the accelerating specialization, compression, and automation of consulting activities fully realized. It will be the dominant business model of professional services. Hmm. Okay. So accelerating specialization, compression, and automation. And he, and he t- takes all three of those in turn. I'm not going to go in, into those. I'll let, let you read that in the book. But a couple things that he does do. One, and, it, and this is really interesting. He says, this new model is a shift away from David Maester's trusted advisor model. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what he's, what he's talking about in this book is that you're going to purchase the area of expertise for a for for a, in, in a particular area from one company, and it's going to be a, a really small piece of it. The example that I kept using in my head, being a former implementation consultant of accounting software, mm-hmm. right, is that instead of instead of having a company that would come in and implement your new system, right, your your new Sage based system, of course, right you would hire maybe a dozen companies, one of whom would come in and design your chart of accounts. Right, right. Right? Because yep. why shouldn't we have the person who's the best at chart of account design design our chart of accounts when we can locate them or, or her, right? And, and why do we need to have one company provide that for us? So it's it's um, a high level of, of you know specialization, division of, of labor, Right. But then some of the and that, so that's what what it is. But let me talk a little bit about some of the some of the things that he mentions in here because I think this is really good. You know, there, there's a lot of talk, Ron, about you know data science, mm-hmm. right? And I've had a hard time getting my mind around that. I think he does a really good job 
of talking about it. And some this is are some of the things that he says. Is collecting lots of data is is useless without the ability to design techniques, predictive analysis, machine learning tools, and visualization that can provide insight to what it means. Yep. Right? And he and he is very explicit when he says that data science and and IT and technology are not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, he is, he, and this is a, this is another great sentence. Data science is just as concerned with the masterful inquiry as it is with technical mastery. And so, the way that the, the note that I made on the book at that point is that data science is more about the the creating of the right questions to ask the data than about the technology of how to access the data. Right, it's applying a theory to the data, right? To, exactly. For, to, exactly. To, 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 yeah. Insight. Yep. And one of the things that, that he mentions is, you know, something uh, our friend and, and, and guest on the show, Doug Sleater, has talked about, the big bad notion of big bad data. Mm-hmm. And he, he fully acknowledges that, but he says one of the things that AI is going to be able to do or that a data scientist will be able to do is write AI in such a way that, it'll, that it, it parses through that big bad data. Yep. Right? That would and be actually, great improves the data set um, and I know that you know Google and stuff has been working on this stuff for years right um, anyway so I, I, there's some other stuff on on uh, data science that I'll, I'll leave for the show notes because I wanted to, to, to jump onto a couple of other things that he says I think are in, important here before the break but he, here's here's a little bit from his company's manifesto Ron and this is gonna sound extraordinarily familiar ready time and value are not equivalent. right uh second uh work is something you do not a place you go yep who's that that's our friend jody thompson yeah the row 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 it's only yeah (laughs) um do do unto ourselves as we would have our clients do unto us The golden rule, I love it. Right? The focus, and what he says is focus on results. Focus on results. And then the fourth one is greatness isn't for everyone. Mm. Right? And he says, you know, some, some, some executives want to pay for the results. Uh, uh, others want to charge by the hour. You know what? If they want to charge by the hour, I'm not interested in them because greatness isn't for everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, I like that. That's right? <laughs> I know. I thought. All right. L- last quickly, because we're coming up against our our break here. Um, it, he he does talk about the, this uh, this this notion that every company is becoming a tech company. They just don't have haven't realized it yet. Yes. Right. I I, I read a book almost with that title, very similar <laughs> premise. All right. Yep, yep. So, you know, good good stuff there. Uh, and then he gives the example of, you know, how how we manage things in, in businesses. You know, they use Slack for communications, Google Drive for storage, HubSpot for marketing, Asana for project management. Um, you know, uh, 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 I forget what their expense system is, but let's just say it's Expensify because we've had the CEO on. Uh, right. He says, notice that we're, we're bringing all these little micro tools together and we don't have one unified system because they all talk to one another. We don't need to. The other thing that he talks about, and I do like this, is that he he uses a term, millennial attitude. 
and listen to this. You're going to like this. He says, I am not referring to a specific age range, but about cultural norms typified by an age range. So I think he does a really good job of, of specking that out, right? Something, again, that you and I have argued uh, with people about. And um, and the last thing he says, and I'll, I'll share this with you, is you know he, he says, get rid of the lawyers because don't ask general counsel for permission, right? They're, very, they're, they're really good pe- – they're good people, really, but they are heavily incentivized to insulate you from new ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Tell you what you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I wow. thought that that was a really good, really good thing. He he closes with a quote from Kennedy, John Kennedy, which I hadn't heard, and I really do like this. I'm going to start using it. Uh, the, there are risks and costs to a program of actions, but there are far less. Uh, but they are far less than the long range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. Right. Yep. I love that. That's excellent. Good stuff. You, yep. you know, just as you were talking about his three things, you know, the accelerated specialization and compression automation, all that, I, this, we are starting to see this in, in the advertising space. Tim Williams writes and talks about this, uh, about how, you know, big companies are, are hiring an agency to do one specific thing, maybe even just one aspect of digital or measurement or analytics. And so you're already starting to see that in some mm-hmm. sectors. And it, and it just sounds like... That specialization component he's talking about aligns with our colleague Tim Williams' message as well. Yep, totally agree. Yep, good stuff. Well, that's awesome. Micro slot slices by John M. Dillard. I have to. It's in my anti library, so I know I'm going to read it this year. So maybe <laughs> it'll be on my. Maybe it'll be on my list for this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Time, I'd like to remind you: check out the show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com, and please go out to iTunes and give us a review. Those really help. We have some. Uh, incredible guests lined up for uh, this year that we'll, uh, that we'll have for you. And we're really looking forward to those shows. But now we want to hear from our sponsor, Abacus Next. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody, and we are here on The Soul of Enterprise doing Best Business Books for 2017, and uh, Ron and I do prep for this show, but I will say this, we we didn't really compare lists until we started the show today, and Ron, the next one is one that's in common, so why don't you t- take us through that? Yeah, and this, this was a great book. It was just a fantastic read. It's short. You can just dip in and out of it. 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern World by Tim Harfer, who's a... UK economist, and he's he's written many other books that I thoroughly enjoy. I think he's a wonderful thinker. In fact, Ed, for for a while there, he had a running video, a YouTube debate with Dan Ariely <laughs> about behavioral right. economics. He's kind of on the skeptical side and has written some skeptical things about behavioral economics. So very interesting guy. I, I love the way he thinks. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book because the chapters were short And he wasn't talking about the 50 greatest inventions or he wasn't trying to rank them. He just said inventions that shaped the modern economy. And I have to say, on almost every one, even if you think you knew the backstory, I learned a ton (laughs) of things about whether it was the inventor or where they got the idea or the historical circumstances surrounding it. There was just a ton of information packed into each little chapter. No kidding, right? And it was like, and and just it. it I, I thought the stories were fascinating. He he really did a good job of revealing them, and a, a super storyteller. I knew I was going to like it though. When in, in the introduction, he has this sentence about the Luddites. He goes, "The Luddites didn't smash looms because they wrongly feared the machines would make England poorer. They smashed the looms because they rightly feared the machines would make them poorer." <laughs> 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 you know, that's an interesting point. I, I highlighted that too. I thought that was great. Uh, and, and that does, it does kind of corroborate uh, Thomas Sowell's definition of an economy, which is the study, and, and Adam Smith's, of why nations are wealthy, not individuals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. Great point. Great, great point. Real good point. But, so uh, without going through all 50, and I know we're not going to do no. that, let's give a few to to tease the listeners because folks, we really want you to take a look at this book. I thought it was great. And, and I think we should also link to the, uh, econ talk episode that Russ Roberts did with Tim Harford. So they can, you can listen to the interview as well. But what were some of the, of the, of the 50, what were some that struck you? Well, I, I listed four here, Ron, and I'll just, I'll just mention what they are and then we'll see how many we can get to. And I'll leave the others that we can just put into the show notes. But, uh, one was the grammar phone. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, the t- two. This well, another was the welfare state and its relationship to passports, which I thought was interesting. Yes, that was uh, the the dynamo, which is, mm-hmm. is the electric en- engine, and then of course I had to have to mention this one: double entry bookkeeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> that shows um, up everywhere on all these lists. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but well, let's let let me just let's just deal with that one since it's possibly the one that's most interesting to our list. We I know we have a lot of accountants there. What I learned from this was that 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 accounting was originally a verbal skill. In fact, that's that which is why the word it's the word account, right? He goes, someone would be charged to take care of the estate would give a verbal account of how things were going. The language is is all of uh, uh, about uh, oral tradition, and even the 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 notion that it would be heard by witnesses who were the auditors, literally those who hear, right? And we we've yeah. we've often talked about that, but I I didn't know that this was the case. And and what's I think fascinating about this is now this is the the trend in in accounting today is to think, all right, what is it that we need to do to become better storytellers of the numbers? And it's really just hearkening back to this previous age. The, the other thing that I learned about this, which I didn't know, I had always assumed, in fact, it was probably told by an accountant that double entry bookkeeping was de- was developed by Luca Pacioli. The answer is no, he didn't. He just happened to write it down, right? Right. He, he was the one who wrote it down. It, it had existed for much, much longer than that, inclu- including going back to um, area, areas in, in uh, um, I think, Persia long before. You know, if you remember the book by Charles Adams about uh, taxes for good and evil, one of the points that he makes is some of the first writings, you know, on, on tablets or stone tablets or whatever w- were records of account were were, you know, kind of transaction history and things like that. So, yeah, I'm sure double entry bookkeeping was around before Pacioli actually wrote it down. And that was actually part of a bigger math book. He had written this enormous math book. It was kind of like everything we knew at the time about mathematics. <laughs> and slid yep. inside that book was this 28-page treatise on double entry bookkeeping. And you can actually get this. And it's 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 really a fascinating read because... It, it's it's very biblically based. I mean, he used to say you'd have, you'd have a cross on the ledger book, you know, to keep you honest. And mm-hmm. it was just really, really fascinating stuff. So, yeah, well, let me give you my list, Heather, the ones that really stuck out at me out of the 50. I had barbed wire, which I had read about before, <laughs> but that that's always a great story, just how important barbed wire was, right, for property rights and other other reasons. But I thought one that was certainly true was the seller feedback system. So the customer ratings on eBay, Uber, you know, Amazon that we all use, I mean, that really has dramatically shaped. So, I mean, isn't it something like one third of what Amazon sells is because of the recommendations? Yes, it's crazy. The, and, I, and look, just look to your own behavior. I, I have absolutely clicked into the customers who bought this also. Oh. Right. Or the, yeah, or the book recommendation emails they send based upon your mm-hmm. browse history or whatever. However, they learn that they're probably listening to the show now and learning things. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, seller <laughs> feed feedback was a big one. And and the other one I have to say that I was I was really surprised to see, but then I thought about it, said I shouldn't have been. Was tax havens. <laughs> Tax havens, little, are, little. you know, a little a great escape hatch for for capital, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of a neat signal to countries that hey, your taxes are kind of punitive. Yep, little shout out to our our uh, various age colleague Dan Morris for that. I'm sure he's involved, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, what I want to, I just want to link back because we do have a little bit of time here to to talk about the well, I do the the, the gramophone pretty quickly. 
I love this sentence. The top 1% of music, because of the gramophone, because you, instead of just hearing, uh, you know, a mediocre people it live, because that was the only, only option, the gramophone allowed you to hear the best of the best, right? Because it, they could reproduce the sound, even though it was, it was crappy quality overall, you were still healing, hearing the best opera singer. And as right. a result of this, what happens now is because of this today, the top 1% one, 1 of music, musical artists take more than five times more money from concerts than the bottom 95 put together. So if you're looking for inequality, let's start with rock musicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yep. I think all the you know Springsteen and all that they're the ones they what they need to do just just they don't forget about like more taxes what they need to do is they need to set up a fund to take 50% of their wealth and redistribute it to all of the other uh the the artists who don't make money because of the, you know the CDs and 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 MP3 files. So. Right. All the starving artists. I I mean you know Ed, what's funny is if you go back and you look at Bill Bill Fredo Pareto, right? Who came up with that twenty? I mean, twenty eighty. He never really said twenty eighty, uh, right. but it was the the minority that ruled the majority. Um, I mean, that's been true for quite a long time. No matter what field you're studying, I, I don't care if you're you're studying scholars who are cited in academic papers, whatever. I mean, a small portion of them get you know multiple times more citations than others. Uh, it's true in pr the productivity of computer programmers. I mean, it's it's true in in golf. It's it's true in almost anything that you study. Yep. No. Absolutely. And and last thing, I just want to quickly mention is I did not know that that passports were originally des to design peep to keep people in the country rather than let <laughs> than keep them out. That was a great chapter. And wasn't there something about the size? The, the, the dimensions of a passport. Oh yes, that they, it's all standard, and there's no there's no re regulation. It just happened. It just ha and 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 of course we'll never change it. It's kind of like newspapers. Right. You know, newspapers are kind of big because Britain a long time ago put a tax on the all you know the opposition press, and so they said, well, we'll make the papers bigger so we can get more per page, and mm -hmm. and that's why newspapers are the big clumsy things they are, which are kind of insane. I mean. You could make them certainly more readable, but you know it's 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 amazing how some of these traditions just just last for no other reason than that's the way we've always done it. Nope, no, I know. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, you know, Ron, I'm going to just get, jump to the break early, just a few minutes early, so that we can get to your the, the last two that you okay. have on your list. So want to remind you, you can contact Ron or me with asktsoe at verisage.com. Please, if you want to review the book on Amazon, uh, take a look at The Soul of Enterprise out on your Amazon on list. Put it on the, the, the wish list for, for future endeavors. Uh, but right now, want to remind you to, to you can get a hold of, uh, I'm sorry, you can, you, let's get, take a listen from to our, our commercial from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing the best business books that uh, Ed and I read last year. And Ed, um, boy, we're going to have to do another show. This one just flew by on non-business books that we read last year. (laughs) Let let me give you the the second book, number two on my list, because, again, I had five. And I really thoroughly enjoyed this one. It was Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull, who's Mm -hmm. one of the founders of Pixar. Mm-hmm. And it was just all about how he strives to make Pixar a creative culture that's going to outlast its founding, its founders. And that would be Steve, Steve Jobs uh, and, and mm-hmm. John Lasseter and, of course, him. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I just thought it was just a great exploration of how to deal with creative, creative knowledge workers. I mean, they're, they're knowledge workers as well. They just happen to be really, really creative. And wh- one of the lessons that I really walked away from this book, and I just love this, he said, if you give a good idea to a mediocre team, they will screw it up. But if you give a mediocre idea to a brilliant team, they will either fix it or throw it away and come up with something even better. He said, people always trump process. And what? People trump process? What? Trump no, no, process. no, Ron. <laughs> and, and I would add technology to that as well. Um, and it just remind me, reminded me, there's a great line. I forget where I read this. In fact, it might have been on a Russ Roberts uh, show. He interviewed a chef, I think, on one of the episodes last year. And the chef said that the saying in, uh, among chefs is, Technique trumps ingredients. Mm-hmm. So a great chef can take, you know, a mediocre ingredient, but with the right technique can still make it taste great. 
And that was kind of the overarching philosophy of, of this book. And you're going to learn some very interesting things about Pixar. I mean, I've read Pixar, other books on Pixar before about its early days. I mean, it started in New York, started on the East Coast, uh, and then it was bought by Lucas. And so they've always had, you know, billionaires or, or rich people backing their company. But these guys have always wanted to do animated movies. It was their dream, even when they were kind of hired or funded to do other things like develop technologies or special effects for Lucas's Star Wars movies or whatever. They they would just still run off and, you know, work on animated features. And it, it was just an inspiring book for how to how to build a creative culture. And and I thoroughly enjoyed it for that reason. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I'll put Pixar, that one on my short list. Pixar, an amazing company anyway. I've always just thoroughly admired them. I mean, everything they touch seems, they, they just seem to have the Midas touch. And, and he even says in here, Ed, he said, process and efficiency are not the goals. Making something great is the goal. Mm. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So awesome. the number one book I read. Right. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> and what's awesome about this is it's on your list too. So yeah, now, yeah, would you yeah. say it's the best business book you read last year? Uh, Are you going to say Micro Slices was? Yeah, or, I'm going to say Micro Slices was. Yeah, oh? uh, yeah. But this okay. but this one was way much better written. Much better okay. written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say the book is, folks. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And if you're wondering why they, he called it Shoe Dog, it, he said because a shoe dog is somebody who's devoted to making, selling, buying, or designing shoes. <laughs> and yeah. he was certainly that. Um, I love how he quotes said that the average shoe dogs understand the average person takes on average 7,500 steps per day, 274 million over the, over the course of life. And he said, shoe dogs just want to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is a terrific book. I mean, the if if Phil Knight wrote this himself, which you know most of these are guest written, but it's very possible that he did. The, the, he just did a great job. Just a great job. I mean, w just the illusions in here and and foreshadowing. You know, there's something early on where he he says, "I told Bowerman, who's one of the characters in the book, his who is his coach." Right? right about his trip that he took around the world and where he went to Kobe, Japan, uh, the you know the the country of Jordan, the Temple of Nike. So just look at that sentence, right? Kobe, Jordan, Nike, right? All yeah. foreshadowing the the you know uh, what what was what was to happen to him with Michael Jordan uh, and Kobe Bryant, and of course, obviously the the Nike as a company. So d just fantastically written book. It really is. And, and Ed, after you know, I kind of went back through it today, and I do believe he wrote it because one of the things he said early on, and I just love this too, he said, the world is made up of crazy ideas. History is one long processional of crazy ideas. And the thing he said, the things I love most, books, sports, democracy, free enterprise, all started as crazy ideas. There you go. And, the, you know, and I just love it. The chapters are short. He kind of goes chronologically. He starts in 1962 because that's when he started his little company. I think it was called Blue Ribbon Shoes long right. before it was mm -hmm. called Nike. Um, and his dad, who I, I forget, his dad was a journalist or something or an editor in a newspaper, wasn't he, or something? I, I, I yes, forget. journalist. But then I think he also taught journalism at the college, too. 
Right. Okay. Because he and and of course Phil Knight's nickname everybody called him Buck, and his dad says to him, and and this reminded me of Walt what Walt Disney's dad said to him, and there's a whole list of entrepreneurs, you know, even even uh, John Lennon. I think his aunt said, uh, "Yeah, you give up that guitar. You, that'll never get you anywhere." <laughs> or something. <laughs> he actually gave her a gold plaque, a gold you know guitar with that mm-hmm. with that inscribed on it or something, but. His dad says to him, Buck, how long are you going to, how long do you think you're going to keep jackassing around with these shoes? <laughs> so I don't know, dad. So <laughs> Yeah. The, 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 there's one particular story, Ron, that I'm going to ask you to relate because I know it struck you. And when I've heard you talk about this book, it's something that you always talk about. He, he at one point, they almost lost the company to, to a bureaucrat in Washington. They did. I mean, he he's, he recounts stories of bank frauds. So, you know, the FBI got on him for kiting checks or writing out checks with you know when he knew he didn't have funds, which is kind of illegal. But in 1977, Ed, now this would have been a couple years before he they went public in 1980. Uh, at the end of 1980, by the way, the same week Apple went public. <laughs> Talk about a little Good competition. Week. But uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, but the U.S. He came into the office one day and got a got a letter. Got a, it was actually a bill from the U.S. Customs Service for twenty five million dollars for duties dating back three years. Now this was because of some archaic law, and the, the his competitors, Nike's competitors at the time, uh, really used this against him. And it, the, the big ones were Converse and Keds. They had lobbied Washington, D.C., and they and they used the American selling price law against him. And that stupid selling price said you had to pay a 20% tariff on the manufacturing cost of an imported shoe. But here's the kicker, Ed. Unless there's a similar shoe manufactured in the USA by one of your competitors. So if that's the case, then you have to take 20% of that competitor's, not their cost of the shoe, the selling price. So what's mm-hmm. Converse and Keds do? They go out, they make a few competitive shoes to Nike, and they price it sky high. And mm-hmm. the U.S. Customs Service sends them a bill for $25 million. It took them almost three years to fight this off. Now, they settled for $9 million, and he was pissed off about that. He thought that that was way too much money, but his lawyer said, look, just pay this. You know, we got to put this behind us because it's going to mm-hmm. hinder our, our going public. Uh but boy, I, that was just a harrowing story that, that just, here's the government about to just kill this baby in its crib. Right, and we right. Never had Nike. The, uh, the, the sentence that struck me in that area was, and he's talking about this guy, he says, yes, this bureaucrat was a kraken, <laughs> a <laughs> micro kraken, a bureaucraken. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely brilliant but you know and I just, just to give uh, some more understanding of the pros here i'm just going to read a couple sentences so i think really some sum this up uh you know he he said he, he likes to warn entrepreneurs the iconoclasts the innovators the rebels that they will always have a bullseye target on their backs the better they get the bigger the bullseye it's not one man's opinion it's a law of nature uh, nature and i like to remind them that america isn't the entrepreneurial shangri-la people think free enterprise always irritates the kind of trolls who live to block, to thwart, to say no, sorry, no. And it's always been this way. Entrepreneurs have always been outgunned, outnumbered, and they've always fought uphill, and the hill has never been steeper. America is becoming less entrepreneurial, not more. That scares me, Ron. I think he's right. 
it it does. It's it, it's interesting, Ed. Certainly, if you you, you look at Deirdre McClausey's work over the long sweep of history, we finally started to give respect to the entrepreneur. So I could argue, I could easily take the other side of that argument, but there's no doubt about it. There, there's just one disagreement that I have with the book that he says this throughout. He said, "Business is war without bullets," and mm-hmm. uh, you and I kind of shun that philosophy that it's a zero sum game. He never really talks about the win win aspect of the free enterprise system that he loves, but. It's a fantastically written book. It's a compelling story. And I just couldn't put it down. I mean, I just found myself reading and just kept reading it and kept reading it. It didn't take me very long. And that's a good-sized book. So, Ed, it was uh, it was great. But anyway, those were the books that were our favorite, folks. And, Ed, what do we have on store for next week? As I alluded to earlier, Ron, we are going to talk about the laws of systems thinking in the work of Peter Senge and others. Excellent. Well, look, I look forward to that, and I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, where we'll be doing laws of systems thinking. And feel free to check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a wonderful weekend.